Alright, good morning everyone. Get our hearts ready this morning for the message. If you're looking at your handout this morning, you're probably maybe scratching your head a little bit thinking, this handout doesn't look like Eric's handouts usually look. Uh, it's a little different, I'll give you that. And the whole message is going to be a little bit different, and we'll talk about that as we go. But uh, this morning, as always, we want to start with the reading of the 23rd Psalm. And we have that projected for us. So if you direct your attention uh, to the screen, we'll begin there. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now as we come before you, Lord, we come to hear your word this morning, to be moved by it. Lord, to be moved by the power of your Holy Spirit here today. Father, as we come together week after week, we come knowing that we're going to meet you here. Lord, we know that day by day we can meet you wherever we're at. We can meet you in the car, in the kitchen, in the dining room, at the grocery store. Wherever we are, we can meet with you. But Father, there's something set apart about coming and joining a body of believers on Sunday morning. And we know, Lord, that when we come through these doors, the Spirit of God is here. And we know when we come through these doors, Lord, that we're going to have a personal encounter with you. And that's what we look forward to today, Lord. Father, today, I pray over the hearts and the ears of your children that you would open them up and let them, Lord, be receptive to your word. Father, that they would hear your voice speaking to them today. And Father, just the same, I pray that you would reach down and touch my own lips with a refining coal, that I would speak only the words that you give me and none of my own. Father, come and bless our time together this morning. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. a couple things about your handout this morning. First, you see that you have nothing to fill in. Sorry for those active note takers. But you still have some room there on the side to make notes. And then you see on the back that you've got all of my handwriting. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the message. I'm going to have you probably turning this insert over more than a handful of times. So we're still in James chapter 2, and today we're going to finish up James chapter 2. So beginning in verse 14 through the end of the chapter, 
this is kind of a conflict passage, right? Kind of, I guess, known for the great debate. Well, are we saved by works or are we saved by faith? Well, today I think we're going to get a pretty clear answer as we go through this. So we're going to project um, the NIV, which I assume is what most of you are going to be reading. But I'm going to read this for you from the complete Jewish Bible. Because it words things just a little bit differently. And I want you to pay close attention. Uh, if, if you're capable of reading along and listening in, maybe, maybe you can catch these differences. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. What good is it? My brothers, if someone claims to have faith, but has no actions to prove it, is such faith able to save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and someone says to him, Shalom, keep warm and eat hearty. Without giving him what he needs, what good does it do? Thus, Faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say that you have faith and I have actions. Show me this faith of yours without the actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions. You believe that God is one. Good for you. The demons believe it too. The thought makes them shudder with fear. But foolish fellow, do you want to be shown that such faith apart from actions is barren? Wasn't Abraham our father declared righteous because of actions when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith worked with his actions. By the actions, the faith was made complete. And the passage of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, was fulfilled, which said, Abraham had faith in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. He was even called God's friend. You see that a person is declared righteous because of actions, and not because of faith alone. Likewise, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also declared righteous because of actions when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another route? Indeed, just as the body without a spirit is dead, so too faith without actions is dead. Did you catch the differences? It almost makes it more clear the way this is worded. I, for some reason, I think our brains get hung up on the word works. But when you think about action and faith, it doesn't leave as much room for debate. Because the two just make sense together. So I have some pictures here that I want to uh, bring your attention to. And as I studied this passage, this is what the Lord showed me in my mind, was a vision of two trees. And they were similar to these two trees. Now, both of these are pear trees. Okay? But there's a distinct difference, right? 
One's lush and gorgeous, and the other looks like it's seen better days. Okay? That's really the only difference that I can tell, unless I'm the one that put the pictures on the screen, <laughs> and unless I'm an arborist or a very seasoned fruit farmer. So I have two trees. And if I'm going to judge these two trees just by a glance, which one looks like it's the tree in better shape? The lush one, right? Well, actually, that lush tree is completely barren. It will never produce fruit. The tree that looks like it's been weathered and worn and beaten has been pruned year after year. And that's why its shape is a little quirky. But that tree, quirky as it looks, will probably sag with fruit. It's going to be a hardy producer. What's the point of this? Don't judge a Christian by what the faith looks like because it's all in the fruit, right? Can't judge the tree. I mean, that, that lush pear tree is just beautiful, isn't it? But to think that no matter how hungry you were, it would never feed you. And then you walk over to that withered, ugly tree, and it has something sweet for you. We can leave those pictures up for a little bit. So here's what we're going to do. I, l I started doing something crazy. And you almost got a list way, way longer than what you have on your insert this morning. Because what I started doing was I started going through book by book. And I decided I'm going to make a list of faith in action out of all 66 books of this Bible. That's time-consuming. And I started. I made, a, I made a good heel for it. But then I thought, you know what? That's also overwhelming. <laughs> so I decided I'd give you an example from each book of the Torah and then an example from each of the four Gospels. So they're there for you. And you can go through and you can study those on your own time. But just so that you can think them through in Genesis, just like James reflects. You have Abraham, who takes up his one and only son, right? His, his pride and joy. And God says, I need you to take him up the mountain. I need you to make sacrifice of him. And we've talked many times, churches across America talk about the lump in the throat. What? God, you can't be serious. But by faith, right? Putting something invisible in action. Abraham says, I know that this is going to be okay. And then in Exodus, well, there's a lot of faith in action in Exodus, 
but I think part, part of my favorite is, is parting the Red Sea because I don't know about you, but whenever I stand up against any body of water, I don't swim well. And it's like, man, I joke, and any time that I'm up against water, I say I will only go as far as I can see my toes. For a lot of reasons. Because if I can't see my toes, something can bite my toes. And if I can't see my toes, I might fall off of a little underwater cliff. I could get hurt. But by faith, under God's instruction, Moses comes up to a body of water and holds out his staff. Now, without faith, there would have just been a man in front of a large crowd holding up a stick. Right? But he had faith, and he knew that his God told him to do this for a reason. And he knew that when he came up to that water and said, it's time, that that water was going back. He knew it. He didn't think, eh, it's probably going to happen. No. He put out that staff and said, dry land. Right there. Praise God, right? In Leviticus, you see an act of faith casting sins onto a scapegoat. How is that an act of faith? Well, otherwise you're just talking to a goat. I've been known to do that, but I'm weird. We've well established that. I'm a farm kid. It's what we do. The neighbors are too far away, so you go and talk to the sheep. But casting a sin of all the people on a scapegoat, it takes faith. By the way, for those of you that might not know, if that scapegoat, once it's led out into the wilderness, if it comes back, it brings curse upon the people. There's a whole lot of moving parts in that faith. In Numbers chapter 12, you have Miriam, and she's struck with leprosy. Now, how's that faith? Well, I want to focus in on the faith of her brothers. Because her brothers were pleading with God. Please, Lord, heal her. Please, Lord, heal her. It was not necessarily her faith in this situation, but her brother's faith. Sometimes the faith of a friend makes a big difference in our lives, right? And then in Deuteronomy, it's a recall moment. But Moses recalls his time on the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments. That took some faith, folks. Why? I, I would wager to say that was probably a scary time. You think about the power of God manifesting in a bush as fire. That's scary enough. But now you come up and you're seeing inscription happening on rocks. That's enough to scare you and I, right? But Moses had the faith it took to stand there and witness it and listen to what the Lord commanded to relay it to the people. 
flip into the Second Testament. Matthew. Jesus heals a leper. An outcast. Somebody that should have been nowhere around. Anybody. Nevertheless, Jesus. But Jesus heals him. In Mark, a woman presses through the crowd. Oh, this one gets me every time. Just to touch just the finest tassel on the back of his cloak. And he feels the power go out of him and says, who touched me? And cowering in fear, she said, it was me. I'm sorry, it was me. And he said, don't be sorry, woman. Your faith, your faith made you well. In Luke, Jairus comes and says, my daughter, my daughter has died. And there's all kinds of distraction, right? And it's like he's never going to get there in time. And when Jesus gets there, they say, it's too late, she's dead. And he said, no, she's sleeping. She's sleeping. Jesus said, we don't have to wait for me to get there. Just believe right now. Believe right now. Trust in your heart right now. And she'll be awake. She's only sleeping. And then here again we have faith of a friend. Come to the Gospel of John. Lazarus! Come out of that grave! Whoo! We're not talking little things in looking at any of these. These are big, huge. Now, if I can pick up, we'll say a refrigerator. I know, you're like that skinny dude. <laughs> I can do it with a dolly. But if, say I could deadlift a fridge. You think I could pick up these two ferns at the same time? Well, sure. If I can deadlift 400 pounds, what's maybe a pound of potted plant? So if God can do these huge things out of his mighty power, what is our smallest issue to God? that he could just say, that's an easy one, Eric. I got that. Something's going wrong. I got you. We talked last week about falling down, getting gravel all in your knees, and God will stand you up and dust you off and say, it's all right. We're going we're gonna to be okay. So here's the question 
is what will it take for us? Make that personal like I have it here on the bottom of your insert. What's it going to take for you to put your faith in action? What's it going to take? When you read, I, w- I want you to go home this afternoon and read Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to read this continuum. And I want you to read it emphatically. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Okay? And every time you come to the words, by faith, punch your Bible, slam your fist, do something to get the point across. Because you're going to read it time after time after time. By faith. A pastor that I used to work with would very often say, what if scripture was still being written today? Where would you fit? What if Hebrews chapter 11 was still being written today? How would your sentence end? By faith, Jerry. By faith, Bob. By faith, Tammy. By faith, Vicky, by faith, Jeff, by faith, Eric, did what? Did what to put faith into action? All right, right? Did what to say, this is what I live for? Folks, we have a unique privilege this morning because when you read through Hebrews 11, you're going to notice that it's all about the Old Testament. All of it. And now today, we know the power of God more personally than they did. We have the Holy Spirit with us now dwelling in us overflowing out of us kicking us saying get your faith in action it's time to move right I want you to flip over to the back of that insert And when you think about actions, you'll notice that all of the fruits of the Spirit are on here. Because you can put them all into action. But there's some other ones too. Prayer, fasting, outreach. Look closely and notice that faithfulness is upside down. That's because living in faith is living in a counterculture. This world thinks you're nuts. All because you trust in Jesus. Let me tell you this. A few years back, I was in a job. And I had to change positions because I was having issues with my heart. And I couldn't keep going in the position that I was in because it was too much strain continually in my chest. And so they changed the position that I was working in. And it was 
fine. Everything was fine for months. And then one day they finally pulled me in the office and said, we're going to cut your pay $4 an hour. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And the alternative was taking a different position and changing my work schedule. And I looked at the manager and I said, my God has always taken care of me and you're a Christian man and you should know that. I said, I don't wait on you to provide for my family. I wait on God to provide for my family. And so I took the pay cut. Hard, yes, but temporary. So right after I took that pay cut, I heard the Lord say to me, fast and remember me. Okay? And I had to seek the Lord for what exactly that meant. But I brought that down to I would begin each morning with a fast, and late in the morning I would break my fast by taking communion. Okay? Now, note this. I was not using communion to manipulate God. I was being obedient. And so I would fast and I would remember him daily. Why? That reminded me as I took that bread and drank that cup that he was my provider and my sustainer. That's what broke the fast. And each morning I would hear the Lord say, keep the faith, keep the faith. Remember, I am provider. Okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm going about this act of faith. And this carried on for about a month. And at the end of that month, the store offered me a different position, brought me back up to what I was making before. And about a year later, I came here with y'all. Things were temporary, but I stayed in the faith, and I continued to seek God. Now, keep looking at this wonderful list of all these things. How many of you looked and noticed the mustard seed dead center? Dead center. It's tiny, especially when you surround it with these big words, love, outreach, make disciples it gets lost it gets lost in there I have to share this with you yesterday I sat and I, I knew that this was the topic for today and for those of you who are still on the fence about coming to our Communion with God seminar, I want you to know that, what's this, this is 2023, 10 years ago, when I was introduced to Communion with God Ministries, I took this class that's going to be offered to the church, and I learned how to hear God's voice clearly. And there was a time in my life that I would have told you I could hear the voice of God, but I couldn't have told you how to do it, and I couldn't tell you how I did it. This class will make it clear for you. So I sat down yesterday, and I specifically took the time to say, Lord, I need a word concerning faith. 
Why? I will tell you this. I've never struggled so much to put a message together as I did this week. I did, there's so many different angles to approach this. And I could not pick one. And I think this is the reason, because God wanted rule. He didn't want me in charge of what goes on the paper. He didn't want me taking you through note by note. But he wants all of us to stop and be in communion with him. And so I sat down and I said, Lord, I need a word concerning faith. And I heard him say this, You know, child, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and not yet seen. But where my people miss out is in carrying on when those things are not seen. Remember where your faith is to be set, on me. Yet too often, my people place their faith in what they hope for, rather than in me, Jaira, Rafa. It is easy to think on something, but am I not the giver? My children should look on me and have faith. Consider Simon Peter being called from the boat to walk on storm-tossed waters. His faith was in me, and when he turned for even a moment, he began to sink. But still I saved him. I reached out and pulled him through. Your faith doesn't prepare you to participate in the natural, but to participate in the supernatural. You cannot see me with your eyes, but you know that I am God. By faith, you see me in motion and know that I am at work. By faith, you hear me speaking and know that I live. By faith, you walk with me and lean on me. And by faith, you come to me in expectation. But don't neglect your faith once you've come in expectation. Instead, strengthen your faith once you've made your prayer and petition known. Strengthen your faith, my people, by calling on my name. Strengthen your faith, O people, by seeing what I have done. Strengthen your faith, O people, by hearing my voice. Have I not placed in my holy word and instruction? Be still and know that I am God. Certainly I have. In the stillness, your strength of faith increases. In the stillness, you can look by faith, hear by faith, and move by faith. My children have faith today. I am with you. That's what our God wants from us, is to have the faith to take action. Have the faith to take action. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, there was an epileptic that needed a healing. And he was brought to the disciples. 
and verse 16 says, I brought him to the, to the disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Amen? And that's why I put that little dot right in the center of that page. So that you could, you could just get a glimpse of how small. That's all the bigger on mustard seed is. Just about the size of a pen dot. So you could see how small. And, and with that little amount of faith, Jesus said, tell a mountain to move. Come up against any situation. Have your full trust in me. And nothing will be impossible for you. You heard this when Bob was talking about the upcoming events. Matthew 28. And I'm going to read you this closing bit of the Great Commission out of the complete Jewish Bible. Because as we heard it this morning, as we probably all know it, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. For surely I am with you to the end of the age. Hear this difference. I could have jumped up and down. I think I did kind of jump up and ran over to Bob's office and said, Bob, you've got to listen to this. This is a whole new picture that just got painted. Therefore, go and make people from all nations into disciples, immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a reality, people. It's not a figment of our imaginations. Putting our faith in action is real. It's a reality for you and I. To the world, yes, we look crazy. But to come to God and know that He will take care of you. He will provide. He will heal you. So that changes things. Why? Because suddenly I, get, I go from this image of baptizing them in water to sitting down and saying, we have to talk about the reality of this change in your life. Now that you're a disciple, we have to talk about the reality that God is faithful and that God is good and that God is capable of all things, no matter what you ask. Capable and willing. That's our God, right? And I wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be me to bring up a great commission and not turn you to the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark. 
Mark 16 and 17, and these signs will accompany those who do trust. That's how the complete Jewish Bible words it. These who do trust. In my name they will drive out demons, speak with new tongues, not be injured if they handle snakes or drink poison, and heal the sick by laying hands on them. So then after he had spoken to them, the Lord Yeshua was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed everywhere. They put their faith in action. They went out and proclaimed everywhere. They went to the Portage County Fair. They went to the Ravenna Balloon Fair. They ran out into the parking lot of Maplewood Christian Church proclaiming the name of Jesus. They went out and proclaimed everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the message by the accompanying signs. What are you going to do today to put your faith in action? There's a harsh reality to this passage. There's a harsh reality anytime you talk about faith. The harsh reality is this. We're Christians. And I cannot tell you the number of Christians I know who have greater faith in the devil than they do in Christ Jesus the Lord. What do I mean? I mean those people who continually turn back to, it's an attack again. It's an attack again. We know that spiritual warfare is very real. But Paul wrote this beautiful letter to the church in Ephesus. And he told them this. Put on the whole armor of God. You're going into battle, boys and girls. When you suit up in that full armor, you're going to battle. And you're going to have faith. Because every bit of that armor is cinched together by So don't put your trust in the enemy. Don't walk around telling people, oh, I know that the enemy's going to get me for this. No, I know that the Lord Jesus is going to bless me for this. That's right. Get excited. You know that you've got to walk in the blessing. So get excited about the blessing and resist What are you going to do to put your faith in action? Today is a day of change. Why? Because faith stagnates easily. Very easily. We get accustomed to it. Going to church doesn't really give you faith. It just means you came to church. It might be a good prod to your faith but it's putting it in action and when you see God move what do you get? faith because you saw it first hand 
You said, I saw what the Lord can do, and now what? Now you're going to run and tell Tammy, Tammy, I know what the Lord can do for you. I saw it. And then Tammy's going to get up and run back to John and say, John, I know what the Lord can do for you. I saw it. And now you have John and Tammy getting up, running to opposite sides of the church. Debbie, Renee, you aren't going to believe this. Yes, you are, because you have faith to believe it. I know what God can do for you. I saw it. And it multiplies until they've gone out everywhere. Right? Our God is good. Our God is good. We're going to pray and close our service if the worship team would come forward. And the altar, of course, is always open. It's always open. And when we need to offload, like we've talked about the last couple weeks, altar's a good place to come and dump our burdens. But in these times when we need something to stir up our faith, when we need a fresh impartation, it's good to come and meet the Lord here. And I, I say it every time. It's not for other people to say, ooh, I wonder what's going on with them this week. That's not about it. No, it's about coming up and just having a moment with God. And if you want us to pray for you this morning, the altar's open, we'll meet you here. But Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you do for us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us faith and we thank you, Father, that when we come to you, you are the one that restores our faith. Open our eyes, Lord, that we would see the things that you're doing day by day and hour by hour. Father, I pray that this week, as we part ways, that you would keep Hebrews 11 continually in our mind. Father, that we would, we would come to you each day and seek you for what we might do to put our faith into action, to get excited about you again. Lord, you're the one that can restore the joy of salvation. And Father... with that joy of salvation. Renew our faith. Renew our faith, Lord. Stir us up, not only individually, but as a body, as we get ready to go out into our community and proclaim what you've done. Equip us, Lord God, to have the kind of faith it takes, that little mustard seed. To have the kind of faith it takes to lay hands on the sick and see them made well. Lord, if we fall short, we all do from time to time. But if we fall short, 
accidentally place our faith in our adversary. Call us to correction, O God. Point it out to us. Make it clear to us. And restore our faith in you. Father, I thank you for everything that you will accomplish in your children today. I thank you for what you accomplished in me this week. And I thank you, Lord, for the closeness that we're going to learn to have with you this coming week. I give you all praise, honor, and glory. In the name of Jesus, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.